0: If you got your Bibles, Acts 14 is where we are uh, at this morning and just continuing to walk through uh, this incredible uh, book in the Bible. And as you're turning there, uh, I went yesterday and I made an investment in a toy. uh, And uh, I love toys. Perhaps you do, too. And so I went and I bought a yo-yo. All right. So... uh, it's been a long time since, since I've yo-yoed. Anybody yo-yoed lately? Just curious. Okay. I see that hand. All right. I see Pastor Charlie, you a yo-yo guy. All right. Okay. So, so got a yo-yo and I'm just going to admit I'm probably going to fail, but I'm going to give this an attempt. I've actually been practicing. And so, uh, I am not very successful, but, but we've all seen it. We know how they work. All right. So, so here we go. It's, going to go down. It's supposed to come back up. All right. So, so here we go. We're going. I knew I wouldn't do it. I did it in the first service eight o'clock and I went nuts because I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. Um, but, uh, I, I failed. And so, so you know how it's supposed to go up and down, up and down. Well, I brought this with me this morning to illustrate what our lives feel like sometimes. Right, high highs, low lows. Perhaps you can relate to your life feeling a little bit like the yo-yo. I got a little clip that I want to I want to play for you. Perhaps your life uh, looks a little bit like this that we see from uh, this fellow here. So I didn't even know like that was possible. <laughs> but evidently that's the yo-yo champion of the world. Uh, and so maybe our lives sometimes don't feel so much like just kind of the down and up, but literally feels like we're all over the place. So we can all relate to those extremes. We can all relate to the extremes, extreme joy, extreme pain, extreme highs, extreme lows, times of laughter, times of sorrow. Mountaintop moments, valley low moments, um, times where you get something you really, really, really like and times you lose something you really, really, really love. Uh, I remember uh, experiencing those those extremes in a unique way. I was a student pastor in Kentucky for five years and Friday was my hospital day. And so so I would go to the hospital to do visits And and every time where I would park, I would enter in the same way. And I would always enter in by what would be the the baby unit of the church, uh, of the church, of the hospital. And so as I'm walking by, they got the glass window and you see all these brand new little babies. and, and, And oftentimes I would walk right past there in order to go about 15 yards, take a right, go about another 50 yards down the hallway to make another right into what was the ICU unit or the critical care unit. And just the the dramatic swing from new life to walking into some of these very critical situations, you see these extremes. Even just this week, uh, it was it was bizarre that that I, I got a uh, I got a, a call or a text initially, and my mom had a heart attack earlier this week, and 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 so. Um, she was taken to the ER. They found a 99% blockage on the front of her heart, a 99% blockage on the back of her heart. The doctor said, uh, your heart is barely functioning. And yet, uh, praise the Lord, they were successful with a procedure, putting two stints in. And I had the, the clearest conversation I've had with her in months. We didn't know why she was struggling so hard. And and it's, it's, it's obvious now, we know, but, but even in just a matter of hours, like these, these swings of these high highs and low lows, and everywhere in between, we can all relate. We can all relate. And ministry is, is the same. How in ministry, when you're serving the Lord, and, and if you're a believer and you've been rescued, and you've been redeemed by God's grace... Uh, you are called to ministry. It may look a little bit different in how that plays out, but we're all called to ministry. And as we minister in the name of Jesus, we are going to see these, these, these extremes of high highs, low lows, and everywhere in between. Because everywhere God is at work, the enemy is at work. Amen. That everywhere the God is at work, there is an enemy. He's described as a prowling, uh, a roaring lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour, seeking to steal, kill, and to destroy. And as we will see in Acts 14, we are going to see those dramatic swings all in the matter of these visits to these different cities that we see in Acts 14, but specifically the apostle Paul and Barnabas. And people have said, who've studied Paul's life and his ministry, they're like, if Paul comes to town, one of two things are going to happen. Either revival is going to happen or a revolt is going to happen. And, and I would add a third category, and that is both of those things are going to happen at the same time. Because every time the, the, the mighty, the almighty is at work, the enemy is at work to steal, kill, and to destroy. So here is what I pray for us as a faith family this morning. I hope that this will be an encouragement and will stir our hearts one another for the mission of God and for the glory of God, because here is the truth. Through it all, God is faithful. Amen. Through it all, God is faithful. He will fulfill his promises, he will accomplish his purposes no matter what. That is encouraging news. Oftentimes it's news we we can't hear enough. I think of Job's words, Job 42, 2, and this was after the whirlwind. Job says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And what we have seen in Acts, we've been walking through, If we have been seeing the plans and purposes of God unfolded. But like the disciples, probably not in a way that they would have ever thought. Because as the resurrected Jesus is investing in those disciples lives on the Mount of Olives, right before his ascension, he told them, he says, You are going to receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they couldn't have had any idea what was going to come because the chosen instrument in which the gospel is going to go from Jerusalem all across the world is the instrument of persecution. It started in Acts 2. Peter preaches, day of Pentecost, full of the Holy Spirit, preaches Jesus, death. Burial, resurrection, thousands come to faith in Christ. The begins as mocking him, and then from mocking it turns to intimidation, and then from intimidation it turns to arrest being made. From arrest it turns to physical flogging. By Acts chapter 8 we see the first Christian martyr whose name is Stephen. Acts chapter 8 verse 1 says that on that day, the day of the uh, execution of Stephen, was a great day of persecution broke out, and the gospel spread from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the gospel spreading and churches are being planted all along the way. And one of those churches that were planted was in a city called Antioch. Antioch of Syria. It's about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And last week, Acts 13, and, and we just saw where this early church gathered. They gathered to minister to God. And as they ministered to God, they worshipped the Lord. They were fasting. The Bible says the Holy Spirit spoke. As they worshipped, the Holy Spirit spoke. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And they fasted and they prayed and they laid their hands on them. And they sent them off. And they went from Antioch and Syria to an island Cyprus in the Mediterranean. And then they left and went back up north across the Mediterranean to southern Turkey taking the gospel everywhere they went, and everywhere they went, they experienced what we'll just call the yo-yo effect, because they saw the extremes. They saw God work in mighty ways, and they also experienced the attack of the enemy all along the way. Back in chapter 13, we are in chapter 14, I know I keep talking about chapter 13, but In chapter 13 in Antioch, the Bible taught us how many believed, and at the same time, religious oppression or opposition stirred up persecution against them and pushed them out. So again, this yo-yo revival is breaking out. Many are believing and placing their faith and trust. At the same time, religious opposition rises up and is pushing them out. And so the gospel moves. And so we're in Acts chapter 14, verse 1. And the gospel is now moving from Antioch and Pisidia. to different Antioch in Syria. Antioch, Pisidia. And it's moving into Iconium. Verse 1, chapter 14. The Bible says, Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Revival. Revival breaks out. People... Placing their faith and trust in Jesus. This was Paul's kind of M.O. Was if he was going to come into a town. He would start at the synagogue. And we would start at the synagogue. and He would open the scriptures. And he would share how the Old Testament. Uh, is prophecy of Christ. Who is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And he's preaching Jesus. And I love how it says that they spoke in such a way. Such a way. That many came to faith. I believe that there is a way that you can speak of Christ in a way that is compelling and, and, and reveals his majesty. And there is also a way that you can repel others by talking about Christ. And so here we see these brothers are speaking in such a way, God's anointing, the Holy Spirit, is working on their hearts. And many, both Jews and Greeks, believed. But remember, yo yo right God's at work the enemy's at work verse 2 but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers and so they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands but the people of the city were divided and some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Yo-yo effect. God is doing a mighty work. The enemy is doing everything he can to squelch it out. Many believed, many opposed. In wisdom, they fled to a place called Lystra. They had no ears to hear. They were sharing, they had no ears to hear. Persecution pushes them further out. So as they're pushed further out, they now go to a small town called Lystra. Some of us may have grown up in a small town. This is a small town, so small that most likely there was no synagogue here. Remember, typically Paul would head straight to the synagogue. There's no synagogue to go to. It's a small community, and so so there's no synagogue, and so he's going to the marketplace. And Lystra, you may have heard of that that city before. This is the hometown of Timothy. Timothy, this is where Timothy grew up, likely came to faith uh, during this first missionary journey. And so there, in verse 8, now at Lystra, there was a man who was sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw, and can you imagine, some of us grew up in a small town, some of us understand word travels fast in a small town, and I mean word was traveling. And when the, when the crowd saw, verse 11, what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, so in their kind of native tongue, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. So again, they're, they're here, no synagogue, they're in the marketplace. Paul is preaching. This brother is has a heart of faith, res, wanting designed to respond to this gospel message. Uh, he is Brought healing to his body. And it's important that anytime we see a miracle. The purpose is to validate the message. The miracle is to validate the message. This brother is going to get sick again. Something else is going to happen. But this miracle that's happening is to affirm the gospel message. And that Christ is the Messiah. And so what could happen. And maybe we would even be tempted to. If we saw this go down. It might be tempted to turn all our focus to Paul. And so this is what happened. And all the focus is going on on them and, and not the Lord. And so they're speaking in Lyconium. This is a language probably Paul and Barnabas couldn't even understand. And so they're shouting out. And they're shouting out that the gods have come down. And so Lista, Lystra had strong roots in the worship of false gods. And all I know to say is they're not in Jerusalem anymore. <laughs> like, like this is... This is new territory. This is new ground in the gospel message. And so verse 13, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men! Why are you doing these things? So I don't know that they understood what these guys were saying, but the oxen are coming out and the garlands are coming out and they're like basically praising them and, and attempting to worship them. And, 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 and so Paul and Barnabas are starting to put it all together and they're like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. They tore their clothes. It's a, it's a sign of like profound sorrow and grief. And so they're literally like crying out, ripping their Close in two. And they're basically saying. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We see in verse 15. He's, they say we're also men. Of like nature with you. And we bring you good news. That you should turn from these vain things. To a living God. Who made the heaven and the earth. And the sea. And all that is in them. In past generations. He allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness." For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. What he is is helping them understand is that, listen, there is no hope and and no peace and no forgiveness, no relationship with these people false idols and guys that you're chasing after turn to the living God. And I, and I think it's, it's important for us to notice that his approach with this group is different than his approach in the synagogue. So, so if he's going to the synagogue, these are no doubt a group of devout Jewish people who have treasured the Old Testament Scriptures. They're going to know the Scriptures. He's going to start with the Scriptures. And he's going to make a beeline to Jesus. Jesus. But here, it's possible this is a pagan culture. They may have like, they could care less about the Bible. They could care less potentially about who the, or what the, the word is. And so Paul turns their attention to creation. He's like, look around. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the stars above proclaim His handiwork. Over in Romans 1, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, For what can be known of God is plain to them, because He has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that we have been made. So they are without excuse. I think it's important for us, as we enter into gospel conversations... That we prayerfully consider who it is that we're talking to and where they might be. Jesus had different approaches with different groups of people. With the religious leaders, it is written. But yet, we see in John 4 as he visits with a woman at the well, that he starts with need and thirst. That we're sensitive to where people are at in pointing them to Jesus. How we approach people with the gospel matters. And the boys weren't in Jerusalem anymore. And if you look around. We are not in Jerusalem anymore. Our culture is ever changing. The Legionnaire ministry does a, does a, a, a study called the State of Theology. It basically takes the spiritual temperature of our culture. And here are a couple observations. That we are in a culture with an increasing rejection of the literal truth of Scripture. That a majority of adults in the United States assume that all truth is relative. In other words... What's true for you may not be true for me. What's true for me might not be true for you. 48% of adults in the United States said that the Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but not literally true. 42% of U.S. evangelicals believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Like, kind of just, it's all in there together. And so in this rapidly changing culture, by God's grace, we are sensitive to where people are in our approach with pointing them to Jesus through the Scriptures. One of the greatest messages I ever heard on evangelism telling people about Jesus was like 11 years ago. And I want you to imagine this. Uh, I don't know how many people use a clothesline anymore, but I want you to imagine there's a clothesline from that end of the wall to that wall. And this clothesline runs the, the length of the... The area up here. And all along this clothesline is the alphabet. And individual letters across the line. So you got A, B, C, D, E, F, T, H, I, J, K, L, N, O, P. All the way out. And and, and the challenge was this. Because our culture is rapidly changing. The challenge was this. It was like oftentimes depending on maybe how you grew up or where you grew up. Those kind of things. Uh, there was a time where we could just jump. And, and let me let me... Share this as well. A would be somebody who is as far away from God as a person you would imagine. Z is someone who is ready right now to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. And so what it is, is it's a span of receptivity to the Gospel. And so what it is, is he challenged us, he said, sometimes we treat evangelistic opportunities in sharing the Gospel as if everybody is at Z. When... The culture that we're in and sharing the gospel, there could be uh, very little belief or even in the truth of God's word. And so what it is, is it's being discerning on where people are and being sensitive to step into where they're at and pointing them to Jesus and the truth of the gospel and God's word. And so by God's grace, he has equipped us with his word and with his spirit. And that we're sensitive, Paul was sensitive to where people are at. He's pointing them to their only hope, which is Jesus. And then in the mix of all that is a warning to those in ministry, and that is guard your heart. Guard your heart. I don't know what it might have been like for Paul and Barnabas to have people getting oxen and garland and trying to worship them. But but but. But if the flesh has an opportunity, it could kind of rise up there and be like, wow, I'm getting a lot of notoriety in this city. I'm getting a lot of attention in this city and it could be very tempting to take the focus off of Christ. This guy, a guy named Dr. Thomas Constable said this. He said, if Satan can't derail a Christian witness with persecution, he will try with praise. Persecution has destroyed many preachers and too much praise has ruined many others and yet they are focused on their mission they're focused a great work is happening a great work of God but there's a great work of the enemy and in this kind of somewhat strange experience that Paul and Barnabas are having the yo-yo effect is in full effect many believe people come to faith miracles and yet at the same time opposition is being stirred up verse 19 says But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded crowds. So in other words, the the cities that Paul and Barnabas have visited, sharing the gospel and then persecution moves them on. They are after them. They are tracking them down. So they're coming from Antioch and Iconium, the cities they were just in. And having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. My hunch, the mob took care of Paul and the mob is going to take care of Barnabas. The extremes in the yo-yo of revival and opposition. And the opposition was strong so much so they literally stoned him Drug him outside the city walls and left him for dead. And the Bible says that when the disciples gathered around him, Paul, that he rose and entered the city. Now, just think about that for just a second. Think of all that Paul had to overcome in order to turn right back around and go to the very place and city that almost took his life. He was no doubt bloody. He was no doubt bruised. His body was no doubt beaten. And yet by the grace of God, the calling God had on his life was louder than anything else. And he knew he must go. And and we're going to get there in just a moment. But I believe with all my heart that Paul had a rock solid confidence that it doesn't matter what... The enemy tries to do and no scheme of man. Nothing can prevent God from fulfilling the work he has for me to do in this place. And so I trust him. I may come within an inch of my life, but no man can take my life. I am pursuing the Lord full on. And he gets up and he walks right back in. He goes right back in the city. And the Bible says in verse 21, that when they had preached the gospel to that city. So they've moved on to Derby now. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. I'm amazed. They're going back to this very same places that the enemy tried to push them out. And they went back, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Why in the world would they keep taking this gospel message into these hostile places? And yet continue to move the gospel forward. And I believe it was because they never got over. Paul never got over being rescued by the grace of God. And this gospel that he was entrusted with. He knew God had a calling on his life to take this gospel to the ends of the world. The gospel was was so great and the mission was so urgent that he he must go. And so they go to the same cities. In verse 24, the Bible says that then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch. This was their sending church back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God, and, and, and I love this, for the work they had fulfilled. The mission God had for them in that first journey, no scheme of man would stop that. No enemy opposition would stop that by grace as long as they... Stay focused on Him and empowered in His Spirit. Nothing would stop. The work would be fulfilled. Verse 27, when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how He had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and they remained no little time with the disciples. Powerful message. Powerful testimony. The yo-yo... We get it. The extremes, the highs, the lows. And through it all, God was faithful every step of the way. As believers, we all share a calling on our lives. God has called us to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and even so to the end of the age. Behold, I am with you. This is His commission that He's... He's given us. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And so we all have this calling. There's, you don't ever retire out of that calling. There's nothing that sidelines you from that calling. If you've been rescued by God's grace, this is God's call on our lives. It's going to look different. It's going to look different in how it plays out in our lives. But the calling is the same. But yet for every single believer who has been rescued by God's grace... You also have a special calling. You have a unique calling. Paul would later write to the Ephesians in chapter two verse 10, he says that, that you, are, you are His workmanship, talking about God's workmanship, you you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. that to do good works which he's prepared, advance that you would walk in. And so that language there has actually the same word masterpiece as poem. And I know like I don't necessarily walk around like feeling like a poem or saying I'm a poem. But the Bible says you're a poem. (laughs) In other words, you're a one of a kind. God doesn't mess up. He made you. And listen to how He made you. He made you with unique gifting. And He made you with unique passions. And oftentimes, God will take what you are gifted and how He has gifted you. And what you are burdened or passionate about. And if you see where those things two cross... That might be the very place that God wants to use you for His glory. And what happens, just like it did in the church at Antioch in Acts 13, what happened? They gathered together, they're ministering to the God, they're worshiping, they're fasting, they're praying, and God spoke. And as we worship and minister to the God, He will be faithful to lead and guide our steps. In my D group this past week, one of our memory verses was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Perhaps you have it etched in your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. This is exactly what's happening in the life and ministry of Paul all along the way from Cyprus to Antioch to Iconium to Lystra and back and back home to his sending church. Paul said this. He said, I'm sure of this. In Philippians 1.6, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Think about the words we just read in Acts 14.26. They sailed back to Antioch. their sending church. They said where they had been commended to the grace of God. And I love this part. For the work that they had fulfilled. There was nothing that was going to stop the gospel message from going where it needed to go. And Paul had a rest and a comfort in that and pursued that with all of his heart. One of my favorite songs is called In Christ Alone. And there's a lyric in there that says this, No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I stand. I love that because it was like, listen... No power of hell. No scheme of man. Nothing can thwart the plan and purposes of God. Nothing was going to stop Paul from going everywhere God wanted him to go. But Paul could have taken his eyes off the Lord. And could have ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. And could have gone and done whatever he wanted to. That's going to get things off the rails. But as we live yielded and surrendered to the Lord. We can, we can have 100% confidence that He will be faithful to complete His work in and through us. And so like the yo-yo, highs, lows, my life, our life as believers is held together by the grace of God, by the promises of God, by the presence of God, and by the power of Almighty God. That as long as I'm here, I have a mission to fulfill, and it is for the glory of God and the mission of God all believers are called to live sent. Every single believer. A missionary. And it's going to look different. A lot of different ways. As the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I want to show you a couple pictures that I, I just want to encourage you with. Because I mentioned this application. could going to look a lot of different ways. Okay, I, I've, I, we've, we've mentioned several times about the Howard family. I want to show a picture of the Howard family, this is Jonathan and and Mandy and their awesome kiddos, and uh, they were just living life in South Georgia, and everything was fantastic. Uh, his dad's a pastor; they were attending there, and and uh, and and now uh, they are, as of January one, they are living. They moved their family to Cincinnati, Ohio, where Jonathan, through the help of the North American Mission Board and partnering churches, is starting and planting a brand new church that didn't exist before they got there. A brand new work. A step of faith. Boldness, courage. But yet, as they ministered to the Lord, as they sought the Lord, as they worship the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke and nothing can thwart the plan of God, and they are in Cincinnati right now. Uh, Just this past week, uh, shared last week, I had the privilege to go to the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, Great Commission Baptist Gathering in Nashville. I want to show a picture of uh, the sending celebration, which, by the way, and Pastor Michael reminded me in several, I think it was back in 2016, there was actually an IMB mission sending celebration here at First Baptist Olive Branch. Um, And so for the for the past several years, they've made this commissioning a part of the of the gathering and so in this room is the international mission board sending celebration and they say a a picture tells a thousand words this is like five thousand words there's so much happening here but this is a big old room and in that big old room you can't see it but there's somewhere like 16,000 people in that room and and in this specific time of that service they are they are bringing out 68 missionaries and as they come up they're coming to the mic and they're sharing a brief testimony and where God is leading them Uh, some we were able to see their faces and 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 see who they are and know where they're going others they were they were kept behind a screen the light from their backs to protect their identity if you look to the top right this is a basically a projector screen of a couple. And this is a bold and faithful couple who is sacrificially going to a dangerous place. And if you look to the left side of the picture, you know this—that that there is a lady who is closest to the picture. Other people may not know this, but this is the mother of the daughter that's behind the screen. This is the mother of the daughter and the son-in-law that are about to go to a dangerous place to take the gospel. Why? Because God has put it on their heart to go and they are following, and she's weeping. That it is this mixture of sorrow that, that, that her children are going, but yet it's this joy that they're being obedient to God's call on their lives. It can look a lot of different ways. It can look a lot like our windshaped team that's here. An incredible team of young adults who love Jesus. And somewhere along the way, and I'm sure every one of y'all have a unique story, but somewhere along the way, maybe as a high school student or or Maybe just got into college age. Whatever. Somewhere along the way, somebody said, I'm going to give up my entire summer. And I'm going to be completely exhausted. <laughs> and I'm going to go and unload big trucks with lots of stuff in them. But, it, but this is what God has called me to, to invest the gospel in kids' lives all over the country. Like students probably right here somewhere in this age said, that's what I want to do with my summer. I want to give it to I want to give it to the Lord. And it looks all kinds of different ways. It looks like the school teacher who understands their role not only as a gifted teacher, instructor, but yet as a faithful witness. Loving on those kids, loving on those families, loving on that faculty that's around there. It can look like going out to lunch today and asking your waiter or waitress, can I pray for you? And you never know what door might open to share the gospel. But here's what we know. That as long as He has us here, He has called us to go because this gospel is so great and this mission is so urgent. He has given us every resource we need His Word and His Spirit. And He has called us to be a witness everywhere we go, to live sent. And so I just say, as an encouragement to the body of, of, of Christ this morning, is that, hey, be encouraged. Live boldly, live courageously and share the love and gospel of Jesus with those that he allows us to be to come in contact with. He is faithful. His promises and his purposes will be accomplished. And he has supplied us with every resource we need. Like there's no need for us to say, oh, I need to get more of this or be more of this or be and don't get into the comparison game like that. No, 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 no. Like, He's given you everything you need today. He's given us everything we need. His, his gospel, His grace, His word, His spirit. And He's called us to share this gospel with the world. And so, be encouraged. That living sent as a missionary is not just this thing that we're going to do in a couple of weeks and get on a plane and go to Honduras. Excited to be a part of that work. God's at work in that part of the world. And we're gonna be a partner with a local church and serving that community. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 17, 18, 19 years, this faith family's continue to go back to that place. Praise God. And so the work is the work God's at work on the other part of the world. He's also at work right here, wherever we're going from here. And so be encouraged and live boldly. And another thing I would say is perhaps. You're here and you if, if the question were asked this, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And not asking if you know information about Jesus, and I'm not asking if you could pass a quiz on the Bible. I'm just simply asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because that relationship changes absolutely everything about your life. It is the single most important decision you will ever make in your life. To understand that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This life, look around, it is temporary. The Bible says it's like a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone. Like I blinked. I thought I was their age. I'm not their age anymore. Like It, 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 it happens fast. It changes. But here's what doesn't change. God. And he's faithful. And this isn't the, the end of the story right here. But yet, as long as we have sunlight, we have a mission. And so, perhaps you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me just walk you through a couple verses. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us are sinners and need God's grace. The Bible says, but God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words... There is a payment for our sin, but we can't fix it. We can't pay it. We can't be good enough. We can't earn it. And so God so loved the world and so demonstrates his love toward us. in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The God man, God, the son came lived a perfect life, a life we could never live on our best day, never live perfect life, went to a cross, was crucified and took the payment for our sin. He took that for us. He took that for us and they placed him in a tomb and he rose from the dead victoriously from the grave. And the Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So if you're here and you're living apart from a relationship with Jesus, can I just urge you today, today, would you give your heart your life, your everything to Jesus, because He is worth our heart and our life and our everything. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth it. So we're going to pray in just a moment. And, uh, and as we do, there's a couple things that I would encourage us. One, I would just say, um, anytime we open the Word, there's a response from us. And I'm not, even, I'm not here to say what that looks like. I just pray that you'd be sensitive to however the Lord would lead you. And so even during this time, if you want to come and pray, come and pray. If you want to find a brother or sister to pray for you, find a brother or sister to pray for you. I would ask that over, kind of as we get into this song, if you would be willing to commit to pray for a student, for a child, for a leader, would you come and grab one of these wristbands or grab a couple of these wristbands and commit to interceding for them through this week? Because wherever God's at work, who else is at work? The enemy. And so we stack the wood in faith and we pray God answers and works in a way that only He can. And I would also say that if you're here and you're like, you know what? I need, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I pray. We'll have pastors here. We would love to pray for you. But let's give this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank You, God, that through the ups and through the downs, and through the high highs and through the valley lows, And through everything in between. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are good. You are gracious. Your grace is enough. And Father I pray. God that as we leave this place. We live with a sense. Or we leave with a sense of urgency. That God. As believers, you've equipped us with everything we need. Your word, your spirit. Let's go. And God, I pray that this faith family will be a gospel witness in the restaurant we go to after eat today, in our homes, and in our workplaces. And as we travel, God, that we would lift you up and point people to you. Our only hope, because no plan, the confidence we have, we're... We're carrying out your plan, your purpose, your will, which cannot fail. No power of hell, no scheme of man can take us out of your hand. God, you are faithful. God, I pray for these kids, these students, these leaders. God, that they will sense your presence in a unique way this week. God, that they'll sense your manifest presence. God, working and moving in their lives. And God, we just intercede. Behind every name is a story. Some homes are struggling. Some homes are broken. Some homes are having the greatest season of their lives. And everywhere in between. Just like that yo-yo. But God, we intercede and we pray more than anything else, God, that they hear your love, they hear your gospel, and they respond to your care and love for them. And God, again, if there's anybody here who needs a relationship with you, I pray today would be the day of salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. A hey.